The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Sermon text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Jesus asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled both the boats... So they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I want us to see this morning the glory of Christ revealed in in five ways in this text. I'm just going to use five verbs Jesus chooses Simon. Jesus speaks the word of God to Simon. Jesus commands Simon. It's the third one. Fourth, Jesus reveals himself, his divinity to Simon. And fifth, Jesus commissions Simon. Jesus chooses, Jesus speaks, Jesus commands, Jesus reveals, Jesus commissions. And uh, though this account records Jesus' unique (laughs) engagement of the apostle Simon, Peter, who has a central place in early church history, I believe that Jesus engages each of us as his people in those five ways, each of which calling forth a faith and a trust and a a worship from us as he chooses, speaks, commands, reveals, and commissions us. So let me pray. I just fall right into this text. I just want to invite you to fall into it with me. Father in heaven, now we ask by the power of your word and the grace of your spirit that you would 
put us in, in Peter's place as one of your blood-bought people. You have chosen us. You've spoken your word to us. You have commanded us. You've revealed yourself to us and you have commissioned us. And, and I pray that like the disciples in this text that you would work in us a, a faith, a deep faith that would enable us to count everything as loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing you. That we might leave everything in our heart that we value that it all would be replaced with the treasure of the Lord Jesus. So come and work in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in the Gospel of Luke, in Jesus' earthly ministry, it's underway. Jesus is preaching in the towns and synagogues in the region of Judea. And it's during this time that Luke tells us that Jesus called his disciples. He began to call his disciples the twelve and on this particular day, Jesus is, is teaching on the shores of Lake Gennesaret. It's the same as the, the Sea of Galilee. Luke just calls it by a different name. And the crowds are pressing in closer and closer to Jesus as he teaches the Word of God. We'll come back to that. And Jesus saw these two empty commercial fishing boats on the shore. That's verse 3. And... Who do they belong to? They belong to Simon and Andrew, their brothers, and James and John, their brothers. And uh, common practice of the day was for fishermen to fish at night. They'd fish all night long. When the, when the waters were cool, the fish would come to the top. They'd cast on their nets. They'd haul in their fish. They'd, they'd come on shore, uh, you know, Dis, whatever, dispose, that's not a good word. You know, put their catch on the, on the shore, repair their nets, uh, probably go to sleep, and then get ready to go out and fish again the next night. So now that the fishermen are, are tending their nets on the shore, and, and now here's where the encounter, not only with the four, but it really keys in on Simon, and I'm going to key in on, on Simon, but know that Jesus is calling all four Apostles to himself in this account. Jesus chooses Simon. I just think this is so sovereignly wonderful. Just sovereign grace all over this account. Um, you know, so let me just tell you why I say that. You know, so Jesus on the shore, two fishing boats, Simon and the other three tending their nets. Simon, Simon. We know a few things about Simon already in Luke. And we might have missed it because it's, it's, it's just in passing. At the baptism of Jesus. Do you remember who was there? You don't. <laughs> I'll tell you. Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saw the heavens open, saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, heard the voice of God speaking, you are my beloved son, to Jesus. With you I am well pleased. And you know what Andrew did? The Gospel of John tells us, John 1.40, he went straight to his brother Peter 
and said this to him, I quote, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Jesus is sovereignly after Peter. He sends his brother to him to say, I found him. Next glimpse. It was last Sunday. You know, Jesus is in the synagogue in Capernaum, Simon's hometown. Remember last week, Jesus exerted his authority and his power over the unclean spirits, and the spirits obeyed. And there's this little tagline in there that when they left the synagogue, they went to Simon Peter's house. So I'm going, well, it doesn't say it clearly, but I'm thinking clearly. Peter was in the synagogue. He saw Jesus' authority over the spirits. His, his power to command the spirits and the spirits obeyed him. Jesus is sovereignly after Peter. And then they get to Peter's house and, and, and Simon's, I keep interchanging my names because Simon's name is going to be changed to Peter, okay? They get to Simon's house and Simon, <laughs> he's no dummy. His, his, his wife's mother is sick as he, he pleads with Jesus. He prays, Jesus, do something. So he's looking to Jesus in faith, and and Jesus rebukes the fever. Peter's mother-in-law is healed like that, and she hops up and starts doing hospitality, the passage says. (laughs) Hey, can I get you something? So Peter's there for all of that. And, And so now you get to, you know, I Maybe Peter's thinking, you know, he's mending his nets. You know, oh, what a coincidence, you know. Jesus happens to be teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, right where we pulled in to mend our nets. What a coincidence. There are no coincidences with God, with Jesus. Remember what Jesus says? This is John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you. There are no coincidences with Jesus. And so, many of you know this sovereign grace of God to us in Christ. And, And you can look back and see God's hand in the in the events of your life, in your childhood, and and the people that spoke gospel to you, and you see his hand in, in, in the joys, and you see his hand in the sorrows, all conspiring to bring you closer to him. So we know this. We who believe. We know this sovereign grace of Christ where he comes after us in the events of our lives and speaking in, revealing himself to us. And if you don't know Christ by faith yet, you know, we, we prayed before the meeting that you might have eyes to see and ears to hear 
you might perceive that right now, just being here, Jesus is after you. To enfold you into his grace. Jesus speaks the word of God to Simon. There's the sizable crowd gathering, and the crowds are pressing in closer and closer. So Jesus, in response, you know, backed up against the water, is the impression I get. He climbs into one of the two boats, and guess whose boat he climbs into? They're empty. Peter's, Simon's. And uh, he asked Simon to push the boat out from the shore so that he could finish teaching from the boat. So Simon hops in. I assume Andrew hops in as well because a little later it says they let down their nets. They push out from the shore. And, you know, this is just good acoustics in play here. Um, you know, water's this great theater for, for sound. I, I, I thought of an illustration. It's kind of funny. I was on a junior high Bethlehem camping trip in the Boundary Waters, it's a canoe trip, with Brad, a long time ago with, with one of my sons. And we're setting up camp on one side of a lake in the Boundary Waters. And there's this couple from Bethlehem that's on the lake. And they have two little dogs. They're on the other side of the lake. We cannot see them. But we can hear them. <laughs> we can hear them. And we can hear their little dogs barking and yipping and barking and yipping and barking and yipping and barking and yipping. <laughs> All I've said, Jesus knows what he's doing. He pushes out in the boat, get a little space. His voice can carry. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a non-electric amplifier. And he finishes speaking to the crowd. And, and you know, even in this, it's, it's not lost on me, his particular Sovereign grace for Peter. He's speaking to the crowd, right? Big crowd, his voice is carrying like crazy. But who has a front row seat? Peter! He doesn't need the water to talk to Peter. It says, Jesus is sitting. You know, the pictures of Jesus standing in this boat teaching. Ah, uh, no. I think, I mean, Luke says, Jesus is sitting probably only fools stand up and walk around in boats. Uh, Jesus is sitting. Peter is sitting. He might stand from time to time. Jesus is finishing his teaching of the Word of God. Of the, It doesn't say, actually, I, I didn't say it right necessarily. You might misunderstand. It doesn't say he was teaching from the Word of God, Right? as he was teaching the word of God. He's speaking with all the authority of the Son of God such that what he speaks is the word of God. You think, what, what is Jesus teaching? What is he saying? We can piece together, Luke four forty three. He's teaching the good news of the kingdom of God. So he's, he's communicating the that the Messiah has come to earth. We, we saw this earlier in this, this season of grace, this year of the Lord's favor. He's on a mission to suffer and die for the forgiveness of sins, for the salvation of, of, of all who will come to him. The good news of the kingdom. 
And he's come to demonstrate his power uh, over sin and death and the devil as, as a foretaste of the consummation of his kingdom yet to come. That's what he's preaching. I take it. So Jesus is speaking to, to Simon. I just love it that Simon's right there in the front row. I'm going to do this. Hang on just a second. Excuse me. And then Jesus commands. Jesus commands, Simon. Verse 4. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Think about it in context. Jesus commands evil spirits and they obey. Jesus commands sickness, fever, and the fever obeys. Will Peter obey? <laughs> Peter first replies with reluctance. Verse 5 Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing. You know, Jesus, I know you're a carpenter's son. I'm a fisherman. Fish are caught at night. We just did this. We got nothing. But then you hear the response of faith. I wonder, does it bother you that Jesus speaks to us in commands? Does that bother you? The whole New Testament. I mean, Greek is really clear. What's a command? What's an imperative? It's really clear. Does that bother you that God speaks to us in commands? I mean, that Jesus speaks to us in commands. You're teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. I wonder if it bugs you. Probably bugs most, maybe most people, most Americans, I was going to say. He is Lord. He speaks the word of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He has the right and authority to tell us what to do. He is God. He's not out of line. His commands are loving for our good in accord with His will and holiness and purpose. They are in accord with His wisdom. His commands are the way to life and joy now and forever. You know, some of us might think, well... You know, those commands, they just, they just flop right into legalism. So that's why I kind of push away from those commands of Jesus. I'll give you an illustration. I, I've had a doctor in South Minneapolis, or I had a doctor in South Minneapolis for, I don't know, probably 20, 25 years uh, on Bloomington Lake Clinic. Actually, that's the clinic I went to as a child. It's just that, well, it used to be there. It burned in the riots, and my doctor retired because of the riots. So that's a loss that I've experienced. So a 25-year doctor. 
I love my doctor, and my doctor loved me. This is, this is crazy. I had a, a charismatic, Catholic, Jesus-believing, Jesus-worshipping doctor. He loved all people. He loved Somalis. His major clientele was Somalis. He, I told him about, I have a Somali Bible. I gave him my Somali Bible. He would read the Somali Somali translation of the Bible to the Somali patients. He would pray for them in Jesus' name. Okay, that's how he treated the Somali. That's how he treated me, too. This guy, I tell you, go to the doctor. You don't expect your doctor. He's probably 10 years older than I. His wife works at the same clinic. It's two doctors married to each other. You don't expect your doctor to, at the end of the, at the, end of the appointment, to take, he took my hand. He said, is it okay if we pray? So I, I say, sure. And I'm kind of doing this. He puts his hands over my hands, and he prays for me, and for my family, and for my spirit, my hope, for my faith, for my body. In Jesus' name, amen. And then he writes a prescription. And I take it home, I take it to the pharmacy, I take the medicine home, and when I look at that medicine, I go, what? Okay, I got this prescription. I I ain't taking this, because it would be legalism if I did. Right? No! I take the prescription at the command of the doctor, because he loves me. This is what the obedience of faith is in the Bible. We obey in faith by trusting Jesus. His command is for our good. He loves us for our joy. We obey him. We find life. So I hope the commands of Jesus don't bug you. Latch on to the obedience of faith. I didn't obey my doctor so that he'd love me. <laughs> right? I don't obey Jesus because, he, because to show him, to make him love me. No, I love him because he first loved me and I obey him because I know it's for my good. So, Peter, verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. There's the obedience of faith in verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. I looked up, you know, I've seen these little pictures of of this this hall of fish that's threatening to sink these two boats. And and I just looked up the fish because somehow in the movies or in the in the sketches, it's a bunch of little fish and things like, it's not. I mean, here's, here's what's in the Sea of Galilee at, the, at this time. Think of small, medium, and large. Sardines, small. Uh, barbells, gigantic. Huge carp, like big, fat, Mississippi River type, ugly carp. Mushed. Were the size in between the two. Growing up to 18 inches long. <laughs> This is quite a collection of fish. And the nets are so unmanageably full 
Verse 7. They, I take that to mean Simon and Andrew in the boat with Jesus, signaled to their partners, James and John, according to verse 9, in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. It's a very good fishing day. If you've ever gone fishing, you've never had a day like this. You know, what is this, six months worth of income for a commercial fisherman? Maybe a year? I don't know. This is, this is a lot of economic prosperity for commercial fishermen. Jesus reveals himself. It's striking to me that, you know, Jesus looks at the fish, but he's not caught up in treasuring the fish, scheming about what to do with the fish. He's caught up with Jesus. Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, the multitude of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch a fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus has revealed himself in his divinity, in his holiness, in such a way that Peter feels human and exposed as a sinner. Reminds me, can't help but remind us of Isaiah's, I mean, just think of this. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah had a vision. Isaiah was not face to face with the Lord. Isaiah had a vision in which he saw the Lord seated on his throne, ruling over the universe, high and exalted. The train of his glory, the train of his robe, filled the temple, and the angels were hiding their faces from the Lord and crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and Isaiah, in the vision, cries out, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's what's going on, Peter. That's what's going on. Simon, Peter, is face to face with the Son of God. The Son of God. He is seeing with his physical eyes the glory of God in Jesus' face. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known through the face of Jesus Christ, through Jesus So Simon, realizing he's in the presence of God, the Son, Jesus sitting in the boat, Simon falls down at Jesus' knees, the text says, and worships. 
Now, Jesus commissions Simon. Verse 10. Here's where Jesus starts with with Simon's awareness of his own sin. Do not be afraid. I just link it all back to the gospel, to the news of the kingdom. Look, I've come not to condemn you. I've come to forgive your sins and reconcile you to God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then verse 10 continues. From now on you will be catching men. And, you know, little did, did Simon know that after Jesus died and rose from the dead and was ascended to heaven and poured out his spirit in Acts chapter 2, that he would catch men as is described in the first few chapters of Acts. It's amazing. I mean, I thought of this. Put out into the deep. It's almost like this account is, is a dry run parable for what's coming. Simon, put out into the deep. Let your nets down for a catch. Ah, oh, Lord, it's impossible. It doesn't know it. Is. Well, okay, if you say so. Okay, Jesus has died and has risen. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon the, the church. I say this because there are people who think, you know what really needs to change for, for people to come to Christ? We need to recover the Judeo-Christian culture, and that way more people would become Christians. And I, I see this text and I go, I mean, put out into the deep. Jerusalem is the deep. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. Jerusalem, the, the city that killed Jesus with this, its, its religious mechanism and leaders killed Jesus. And it's, Jerusalem's going to kill Stephen in Acts 7. And, and Jerusalem is occupied this, by this totally pagan Roman government. It's going to kill Peter. And it's going to kill Paul. I mean, this is the deep. Jerusalem is the deep. Peter, <laughs> put out into the deep. Let down your nets. Speak the gospel. Let's just see what happens. Trust me. Acts 2. And those who, Peter speaks, he preaches. And those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls. That's a pretty full net. Acts chapter 3. Peter preaches again. And many of those who had heard the word believed in the number of the men only, not counting the women, so it was more than this, came to 5,000. Acts 5. Reports of the widening influence of this man-fisher, this people-fisherman. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. 
So Jesus commissions Simon to be catching men, and we see that immediately fulfilled in the first few chapters of Acts. The text closes with, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. So here's the first call of the first four disciples. Peter and his brother Andrew, John and his brother James, following Jesus. Their lives will never be the same. You know, as Jesus sought out Simon, I really do pray that if you don't know Jesus, you'd be aware that he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I pray right now by this message and your presence here, no accident, no coincidences, I pray that Jesus is pursuing you and you'll respond to him in faith. I, I look forward to Acts 15. Not Acts 15. Luke 15 is coming. You know, the three parables in a row where Jesus illustrates this seeking of that which is lost. Remember this? It's like a shepherd seeking after lost sheep, like a, a poor widow seeking after a lost coin, like a loving father seeking after a wayward son and in each case there is so much joy on earth and more joy in heaven for each one that was lost is found so I just I just hope and pray that by Christ's sovereign grace and particular calling you have your antennas up that He's working in you. He's coming after you. Respond to him in faith. For your good, receive him. And as, as, as Jesus spoke the word of God to Simon, he speaks now through his word. This is for all of us. Do you hear him? Do you hear his word? And he's revealed himself through his word to us. Do we see him? Jesus commands us as he did Simon. Do we respond in the obedience of faith? Or do we bristle? Do we make excuses like Peter? Well, you know, we tried that. And My wife and I, we, we read the text we're thinking about the text together all week and, and this phrase just was standing out. Put out into the deep. Put out into the deep. You know, the deep is what you've tried in the deep and the good that you wanted didn't happen. Put out into the deep, Jesus says, and let your nets down for catch. Obey me. Go back there into the deep. I think, you know, what's the deep? You know, I, th- I mean, in your life, it's probably a lot of deeps. Here's what comes to my mind. Go back into that broken relationship. Jesus says, obey me. Love one another. 
Love your neighbor. I say it both ways because it could be a broken relationship in the church. It could be a broken relationship with a neighbor. Either way. Jesus says, put out into the deep and obey me. Love. Forbear. Forgive. Or it might be speak. Speak biblical truth where it's hated. That might be the deep in your life. It's just, our, life is, our lives are full of deep. Put out into the deep and obey me, Jesus says. And trust me, just wait on me. See what happens. Trust me. And then Jesus commissioned Simon. Or I, I love it. Simon, do not fear. Do not fear. You're forgiven, cleansed. From now on, you will be catching men. Catching people. Making disciples. In thinking of terms of, in terms of evangelism, the deep would be, well, those relationships closest to me like my family members where I've tried speaking the gospel and it doesn't go very well. We fished all night. (laughs) We might be put out into the deep, speak to a neighbor you may have never tried. It just feels so deep and impossible. Put out into the deep. Let down your nets. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people, making disciples for me. That's the commission that Peter receives from Jesus. And that's the commission that marked his life. And I just pray for Bethlehem. At such a time as this, I heard three stories of how I mean, different people were saying, you know, God has been doing something this last year among us and, and birthing a, a humility and a love, kind of knitting together a, a community. And it's not lost on me that when God does that in, a, in believers, it's not just for It's that we might bring others into the community of grace to love Jesus with us as we love each other. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your word. It's just so good to us. It's rich with your grace and mercy. You've chosen us in Christ. You speak your word to us. You've commanded us the commands of Jesus, our Lord, grant that we would obey. You've revealed yourself to us in your glory and divinity in the face of Christ. And we've been commissioned to make disciples 
to put out into the deep, to not be afraid, but be catching people, making disciples of Christ. So grant grace to us in all these aspects that we see in Christ's engagement with Peter. It is reflective of your engagement with us through Christ. So continue your grace upon us, and we do pray for full nets by the power of your grace. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.